So would you use this time as we center our hearts and our attention on you to transform us from the inside out, that we would be more like Jesus, that we would reflect your heart, your love, your mercy to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. When darkness tries to rule over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy
Thank you that the weak are made strong in the Savior's love. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you strengthen us today, even as we talk about being strong, God, today, and strong in the power of your might and the strength that you make available to us, providing to us, Lord. We just want to walk in it today. So strengthen each of us, Lord, spiritually. God, strengthen us physically. Strengthen us in every way that we need strength today, Lord, we pray. God, for those who need encouragement, for those who need friendship, companionship, Lord God, we just pray that you would meet and minister to each person, Lord God. Pray that there'd be real connection today, Lord, not uh, just with you, although we desperately need that connection with you, but also just a connection with one to another, Lord God. So we pray for both a deep and abiding connection with you and just a, a wonderful connection one to another, Lord. So for those who are just needing to connect today for prayer, for encouragement, I pray that that would happen. For those who have a word of encouragement, who have the ability to, to pray and minister, Lord, pray that every person will be doing that, using their gifts and talents to bless the body of Christ, to build up the church, to edify the church, Lord. So thank you for this time as we get into your word today. Pray that you would be glorified. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you guys. How are you? Thank you. We're doing good. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, we're Shane. Shane Coke, is he here? Shane. There, Shane. Come on up. Shane is going to Zimbabwe, leaving in 10 days. And uh, let's get Shane a mic. Can we steal this microphone here? Thank you. So, Shane, tell us what you're going to do in Zimbabwe and when you leave and when you're coming back. Okay, I'm going for about five months. I'm going to Zimbabwe and going to stay with some indigenous natives out there that have established ministry uh, through bold faith. Um, We're going to be sharing the gospel, preaching in ministries. And, um, yeah, I just want to thank thank the church. Um, I've been coming here for about two years, and the Lord has really done so much in my life. I was, yeah, I'm grateful. And don't think you have to go on a mission to serve God. You can be your, your mission can be wherever you are, yeah. and to whoever. And um, I'm just 
grateful. Awesome. Do you still need financial support for your trip? Um, sure, yeah. yeah. I'm, <laughs> have a, if you'd like to support Shane, just write a, make a church, check out to Harvest Church, put Shane in the, in the memo there, and we'll make sure he gets that before he leaves in 10 days. How's that? Yes, can can we pray for you? Yes, please. Lord, we pray for our brother. We thank you for who he is and for what you've called him to do. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would give him safe passage to Zimbabwe as he is there and then coming back, Lord. And we pray for great fruitfulness, God, that as he speaks, that there would just be power upon his words, power from the Holy Spirit. And uh, as he speaks the eternal word of truth from the Bible, Lord, that there would just be power as people hear it and the people would be saved and healed and added to the kingdom, Lord. So bless him. Uh, bless his team, those who he will be ministering with. Lord, we, we pray that this would be an amazing and fruitful time for the kingdom and that it would just be a time where Shane is encouraged and, and uh, further excited about his faith and that it would just be a time of real growth in him and, in, and uh, real fruitfulness for him as well. So bless our friend, our brother, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> and and any, any continued prayers would be much appreciated. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're going to be gone for five months. So pray. Put him on your calendar and pray for him over the next five months. That'd be awesome. We'll try to get updates as well over these five months to see, just to kind of communicate what's, what God's been doing through Shane. So it should be really good. Um. So this guy was, hey, I didn't even tell the joke, and you guys are laughing, I like it. He was, he was uh, pushing this lion and this witch into a wardrobe. Somebody asked him, what are you doing? He said, none of your business. None of your business. Narnia, your business. Whatever. <laughs> when you have to give the punchline three times, it's not, not good. You got it. Good. Some of us got it. Hey, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 today. And um, we're going to be uh, just getting through half, half of the text, half of the chapter today. Last week, we talked about God's expectations of his people. We said God expects bold faith, a holy life and faithfulness. Uh, this week we continue, what does God expect from your faith in Christ, part two. Number one, God expects strength. God expects strength. And we see that in the text as Paul encourages Timothy. Um, this is kind of Paul's swan song, his final letter to Timothy. Um, soon he'll be executed and uh, he's imprisoned in Rome for the second time. So he's about to lose his life for the sake of the gospel. And he's just got a little bit of time left to communicate truth to the church. As he writes this letter to Timothy, who pastors the church at Ephesus. And, and as we study today, Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul's second letter to Timothy, we we're going to sense the urgency within Paul's heart and his mind to, as he communicates this message. I think about what you might communicate if you were close to death. If you just had a few weeks or a few months to live, what would you communicate? And think about the urgency of that communication. 
You, you wouldn't waste your time with small talk, most likely, but you and your conversations with people would go deep. You would say the things that you meant to say all along that are hard to say. Maybe you would tell, some, tell somebody um, how much you love them. Uh, you would give words of advice to the people in your life, things that you've learned and gleaned from the Lord. There would be a sense of excitement and urgency connected to what you're communicating because you know your time is wrapping up. Often we put things off because we think, well, I'll say that next time I see that person or next time we gather. And Paul said, hey, there's not going to be a next time. And so he's communicating truth to Timothy. Timothy, my dear son, he said in verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Paul speaking as a man with experience. He has had to be strong through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he is able with passion and with credibility, with passion and credibility, he's able to say, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Paul warns Timothy of the difficulties of the ministry. I mean, it's difficult in the ministry, especially in the first century. Paul's in jail because of his ministry in Christ Jesus. So Paul warns Timothy of the difficulties of the ministry and urges him to be strong in contrast to those who have defected. We read about those who have defected from the faith last week. Where does that strength come from? Paul's saying, hey, be strong. He says, and then he says, this is where it comes from. Be, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean, the grace? What, how, how do we define that word grace? It's the word charis, which is, means a, a, a number of different things. Um, it means with the support of God's unmerited favor, not in reliance on our natural ability, we're to be strong. So we're strong in the reality and the knowledge that God's grace is sufficient for our lives. That in, in itself will give us strength and confidence because we know that God's grace is sufficient to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness no matter what our past has been, no matter what our mistakes have been. God's grace is sufficient. But then beyond that, there's a grace upon our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, grace that is available to us in him to stand strong. And we're going to unpack that a little bit as we move forward. Ephesians 6.10 says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. His mighty power is a grace gift that God has given to us. There's power available to us in Christ, and that power is a grace gift that is extended to us because of Christ. His mighty power is a grace gift. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, speaking of Jesus, it says, as the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, that's not grace that forgives sin because Jesus was without sin, so there was no grace needed to be extended to Jesus. So the grace that is talked about is the grace that we're talking about this morning, the grace that gives strength 
and hope and clarity and peace, all of those things. So this isn't a grace that forgives. It was a grace that extended power, that gave us power to do what God would have us to do. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, speaking um, to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That word favor is that word charis, which is the word grace. And so the angel is telling her, you found favor, you found grace with the Lord, with God. So Mary found favor with the Lord. She found grace. Isn't that what we need in our lives? We need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I pray that all the time over our church, whether it's, you know, we're talking about a new project or just our impact in the community or as we, like Shane goes out on the mission field, we pray for favor and grace. We just ask the Lord's protection and covering for that person or for a project. And this is what strengthens us. This is what gives us the ability to remain strong even when we're up against difficulty and especially when we're up against difficulty. Sometimes we're trying to muster strength, but what God expects, he provides when God expects us to be strong, it is through the grace that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1 again, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. So we find our strength to stand firm in Christ by standing firm in Christ. <laughs> Let me read that again. So we find our strength to stand firm in Christ by standing firm in in Christ by his grace. Strength comes by his grace. Power comes by his grace. Favor comes by his grace. Don't forget also forgiveness comes by his grace. Life in Christ is lived from start to finish because of his grace. Grace for salvation. Grace for godly living. To, that we would have the strength to live godly in Christ Jesus. That strength and that desire comes from God. It comes from the Godhead. We receive that from God, and then we're able to live it out. God gives what he expects. He gives us what he expects from us. All we have to do is agree with him and say, God, I, I want this. I want to be strong in the power of your might through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we agree with God, we are able to walk in it. Strength comes by his grace. Power comes by his grace. Favor comes by his grace. Grace for salvation, for godly living, grace for strength when we need it. Number one, God expects strength from us. But it's not just this unattainable strength, this strength that's out of reach. God actually gives what he expects. What kind of strength do you need for your season of life? What kind of grace do you need right now for the relationships that you're in, for your financial needs, for the things that you're facing in life? What kind of strength do you need? There's grace for it. I find that the grace that God extends is usually practical grace, realized through just the practical walking out of our faith as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what he's asked us to do, getting involved in small groups, getting involved with the body of Christ. That's why as we prayed open, opening the service, we, we prayed that God would connect people, that people would be connected because often the strength that we need 
comes from that connection that we have one with another. So what kind of strength do you need? Uh, When I'm lacking strength, I'll talk to my wife or I'll talk to a staff member or I'll talk to a pastor in the area and I'll, I'll find the strength that I need through that fellowship connecting one to another. So Uh, What is that practical step that you need to take to connect with others so that you find the strength that you need to do what you need to do in Christ Jesus? (laughs) We've all kinds of small groups available at the church designed to strengthen people in their faith. Small groups designed to help people against temptation, against addiction. We've got men's group, Bible study, uh, men's groups, Bible study groups, journey groups, pure desire groups, all kinds of groups designed to strengthen men in their faith so that they're able to stand strong because that is what God is is expecting of us, but he provides the way to that, that, that path of strength. We've got women's groups, Bible study groups, journey groups. We've got youth groups for junior high and high school meeting weekly. We've got kids groups from fifth to from fifth and sixth graders. We've got, we, we host an NA group on Thursday nights up in the shop and, uh, Dozens of people show up for the NA group every week, and dozens of people show up for the pure desire groups, and dozens of people show up for the journey groups and the Bible study groups. All of these groups are grace groups designed to give us strength. It's, it's a very practical way, very easy way to receive the strength that is needed. We just have to be willing to step into it and begin to be a part of it. God expects strength but he gives us the grace to do and to live what he expects. So if you're struggling in an area of your life, needing strength, just tap into the Lord. Say, God, what is the next practical step that I can take? Who do I need to talk to? What group do I need to join? What what do I need to be a part of so that I can get strength for the journey ahead of me? We're We're never meant to be in this alone. Paul communicates truth, encouraging Timothy to be strong, because Timothy probably needed that word of encouragement from Paul. And it's interesting that Paul, who is in prison, is the one encouraging Timothy, who is not. <laughs> so maybe you're in a precarious position yourself, but God wants to use you to speak into the life of someone else. And you think, well, who am I to speak that life to someone else? I've got this past, or I'm in this circumstance, or I'm up against this challenge. Well, forget about all that. Just do what God has asked you to do, and then out of that obedience, you'll find strength. As you encourage others, you find strength. As you allow yourself to be encouraged by others, you will find strength. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. says, you, may, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to others, to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Number one, God expects strength, but also number two, God expects us to teach others. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How do you make disciples? Who was, he, who was God speaking to? And who was Jesus speaking to anyway? Speaking to the 12, right? Speaking to the, the disciples. But who else? He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to all of us. All of us have this responsibility, this expectation to go make disciples. How do you make a disciple? A disciple maker is just someone who goes and teaches truth to others so that they understand truth about who God is. And so God has this expectation. Paul's communicating this expectation. He says, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. 
Now teach, now we see the discipleship process here. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So we're not meant to just be a bucket collecting all of this truth. We're meant to be a stream where the, the, the truth comes into us, flows into our lives, and bubbles out and flows into other people's lives. A lot of us, though, we're just holding on to this truth like we, we're carrying around a five-gallon pail of all this truth, and we never spill it out into anybody else's lives. God expects us to teach others. Remember, God gives what he expects. If you are new in the faith, you can still teach others. You can say, God has forgiven my sins and let me tell you about my experience. And when you tell somebody else about your experience, how God has forgiven your sins, you are teaching someone about the goodness and the compassion and the kindness of God. Last week, during second service, I challenged the church to go tell someone about Jesus. I said, sometime in the next month, in the next week, sometime soon, go and tell somebody about Jesus. And so I said, hey, I'm going to jump into this challenge as well. And so sometime this week, I'm going to share the gospel with someone outside of Harvest Church. <laughs> it's easy to share the gospel with people who are in the camp already, right? It's not really what God intended. It's my job to preach and to, to equip the church, the saints, to do the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4.11. So I said, I will go find somebody to share the gospel with who's not easy to share the gospel with, right? And so I did. And so this week, I kind of forgot about it the first couple of days. And I remembered, oh, man, I, I got to step up to this challenge. And so I began to pray for God to open up an opportunity to kind of pave the way. And uh, Jolene and I were down in Southern California for a few days this week, just kind of getting a little break. And uh, and while we were in a mall down in uh, Thousand Oaks, um, I said, okay, Jolene was at a store and I'm just kind of hanging around. And I realized, hey, my phone needs a new new cover on it. So it's all cracked and it just needs a new you know, clear cover. So I was just looking around and I felt like the Lord said, go get your phone fixed and then share the gospel with that guy at that kiosk. So I said, okay, God, but you've got to pave the way, right? So God makes a way for what he wants us to do. So I said, all right, Lord. So I had been reading my Bible while I was waiting for Jolene. So I had in my screensaver on my phone um, a passage from John. And so I thought, I'm just going to leave this open when I pass over my phone to this guy and uh, talks about how to get saved, you know. So I give him that, and he could tell he read it for a minute, and then he turned it off because he didn't want to read it. And then he re <laughs> repaired my phone, and I just simply said, hey, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and that he died for your sins. He's like, well, that's very kind, thank you. <laughs> I said, no, really. Like, Jesus really, really loves you, and he cares about you, and he died for your sins. He said, well, that's very kind, thank you. And uh so that's as far as it went, but what did I do? I planted seeds, and now what am I doing? I told Jolene what I had done, and, and, uh, and I, said, I told her, I said, now I'm praying for not only him, but for his whole family and for his whole influence, that everybody that he comes in contact with, once he gives his life to the Lord, would be saved also. And this is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm expecting. Big picture. I'm expecting to get to heaven and have this guy come up to me and say, hey, remember at that Thousand Oaks Mall when you shared the gospel with me? 
look at all these people who also got saved as a result of that seed that you planted. That's my expectation. Why? Because we're meant to have kingdom expectations because God is doing kingdom-sized things within our lives. And so sometimes we can get burdened down and say, I don't want to do this. But man, think about the fruitfulness that is possible in Christ Jesus when we're simply willing to extend truth and communicate truth to people, willing to do what God expects. Do you think that God expects you to teach? The answer is yes. Not a trick question. Go make disciples. How do you make disciples? You communicate truth. You teach truth. So you go make disciples of all nations, Zimbabwe included, and teaching them to obey everything that I, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. Um, that's, that's the expectation for, for believers. The expectation for believers is that we would teach others and make disciples of, of other people. When you tell people about Jesus, you are essentially teaching them about Jesus. So have you told anybody about Jesus recently to, to difficult people? Like, you know, your gardener or the person at the shopping uh, center or your doctor or your attorney? Have you shared the gospel with those people in your life? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do so. I challenged second service last week to do it by the next week, so I'm encouraging you guys to do the same thing, and I'll get into second service and encourage them for those who didn't do it, who forgot about it, because I forgot about it for the first couple days, but I want to encourage each of you to do the same thing, to share the gospel. Just And this doesn't need to be a weird thing. In fact, it shouldn't be a weird thing. It should be just a natural thing. You may, you may feel a little weird because you haven't done it before, but just begin to do it. And like anything else, it's like riding a bike. Once you figure it out, you just kind of, it becomes easy. You just say, hey, Jesus loves you. And you say it with sincerity. Do you know that Jesus died for your sins? He just loves you. And, it, and if they take it, if they want to talk more about it, then you can do that. And you can just say, yeah, you know, 20 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus, I was a mess and God just rescued me. It's been an incredible journey. Or, man, last year or two years ago, I got saved and God's been working in my life and doing great stuff. He's shown me his genuine care for me, his abundant grace for me, that he loves me unconditionally. You just share your story and watch what God will do. So, how many... <laughs> Time for accountability. How many this week, and I'll throw my, my hat in the ring again this week, how many will share the gospel this week? Go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, raise it high. like Because you want to be like convicted about it, right? Like, I'm in. I'm going to do this. Cool. How many need prayer for boldness that you'll share the gospel this week? All right, sounds good. I'm going to pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for the, those who need boldness, everybody raising their hand, watching online. I don't care. Lord, it doesn't matter if this person is watching in 10 years from now in an archive online. I pray that that person would raise their hand and say, yes, I'm going to share the gospel. So I pray for boldness. God, you've, you've given us this directive, this, this clearly communicated expectation that we will share the gospel, that we will teach others. And so I pray that you give us boldness and then words to speak in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to check in with you next week. Um, 
not next week. I'll check in with you in the next couple of weeks and let you know, or we'll talk about whether, uh, whether or not you did what you said you were going to do. So how many again are going to do it? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I appreciate that people keep, who keep their hands down, honestly, just because I'm thinking, uh, they just need more encouragement. They're not ready to do it and that's okay. Um, let's see, where are we here? God expects us to teach others. God gives us the grace to do what he expects. Number three, God expects us to endure suffering. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Endure suffering. So Paul's speaking (laughs) with authority about this area of suffering. So he's not just, you know, in an ivory tower somewhere communicating his truth, he's been suffering. Endure suffering along with me, Paul wrote, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So Paul uses a soldier as his example. Soldiers enter the military with the expectation that suffering or danger or harm may come their way. It's the nature of the life chosen. So The life of a follower of Jesus Christ is similar to that of a life of a soldier. We're enlisting, have been enlisted, have been called into the army of God. And the expectation, I know as as foreign as it may sound, the expectation is that we would endure suffering. Soldiers are on a mission. Uh, What do they do? They're there to fight the enemy, to defend the country. They're there to do what is expected. Civilians, on the other hand, are consumed with civilian life. Civilians forget there is an army. (laughs) Civilians are thinking about their own lives. Civilians do what they want to do. So do you align yourself more after that description, that little brief description? Do you align yourself more? Do you see yourself more of a, as a soldier or as a civilian? Paul is saying, hey, you are called as a believer, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a soldier in God's army. Don't get distracted by civilian life. So stand strong against the enemy and and endure the suffering that is before you. Followers of Jesus Christ are like soldiers. Stand strong against the enemy. That's what you're called to do. We wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies, but against principalities of darkness, right? So we need to stand strong against the enemy. The the Bible says that the enemy walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So he's out there. He's looking to destroy you, to devour you to discourage you, to hinder you. So stand strong. It's helpful to remember that we're in this battle. So when we experience suffering or persecution or temptation or whatever it may be, it's helpful to remember, oh, this is just par for the course. It goes with the territory. Followers of Jesus are to live like soldiers. So stand strong against the enemy, teach others about the kingdom of God, and do what is expected by God's grace. Part of what is expected is that we would endure suffering. In Romans 5, 3 and 4 in the NIV, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. Often we're not glorying in our sufferings. We're like complaining in our sufferings. Like, Lord, deliver me from my sufferings. And... uh, 
Uh, here they're glorying in their suffering, having been counted worthy to suffer for the gospel. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Perseverance, character, and hope all derive from our suffering experiences. So if you need perseverance, if you need character, if you need hope, don't be surprised if you get a little suffering to kind of buffet your flesh and to prepare you for what God has for you. Verse 5, 2 Timothy 2 says, and athletes, so we've talked about soldiers, now we're talking about athletes, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And so on Sunday morning, we talk about the rules the, for engagement. What does God expect? What does God require of us so that we might win the prize? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says this, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. And so we're actually in a race not to get a participation ribbon. I don't know anybody who joins a race to get a participation ribbon, right? Everybody runs the race to win, right? You don't, I used to run races. I would never run to even get second place. I did not want, I didn't want it. I was okay if I got it, but I didn't run for second. I ran to win. I wanted to, to win. There was this gal during this strawberry stampede every year. She would, for two years, she would catch me and pass me in the race. Finally, the third year, it occurred to me that this gal was probably going to try to do the same thing again this year. And so the third year, about the last half a mile, I look back, and sure enough, Kristen is on my tail again. And I'm, I told her, I said, not this year, Kristen. And I just pushed it and left her in my, in my dust. And I, I needed that encouragement to win the race, right? Even if my win was only over Kristen, right? So cannot let her win, beat me again. Come on. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. You know, if, if you get second place, celebrate it. But man, don't run like you're just trying to get. Run to win. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly and that's part of the reason i challenge us to run with intentionality so what's the intention this week we're going to share the gospel with someone right jesus loves you you get your coffee i was helping a guy load a refrigerator yesterday and i was praying i said lord help us to get this i said i said jesus help us you know i'm just any way i can get the word of the lord out just, and, you know, the gal, gal kind of just smirked, and she thought I was probably a little crazy. But I seriously, I needed Jesus' help to get that refrigerator up on that truck. So find an opportunity to tell people about Jesus and see what God will do. It will become life-giving for you. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So you're in it to win it. 
Competition is inherent in sports. You play to win. So think about your faith this way. Like, hey, I'm in it to win the crown. I, I want to finish well, like Paul talks about. 2 Timothy 2.6, and hardworking farmers. So we talked about soldiers and athletes. Now we're going to be talking about farmers. 2 Timothy 2.6, and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. So hardworking farmers are the ones who are to enjoy the, 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 the fruit of their labor. If you don't put your effort into it, there's going to be little fruit to enjoy. But they're for the hardworking person, the farmer, there's fruit to be enjoyed. So you can have this expectation that God will bless you with the fruit of your labor and you will enjoy that fruit here in this life and in the life to come. <clears throat> so in other words, it's not all hard work. There is reward. What, what's the fruit of your effort? Well, some people are going to get saved. Some people are going to get healed because you're going to say, hey, you know what, to someone who's injured or sick, hey, you know what, I believe Jesus is a healer. The God that I serve is a healer, so I'd like to pray for you and just maybe God will heal you. And so you take the opportunity to share the gospel that way. And you're teaching someone that way. You're teaching something about Jesus. He's a healer. He's the great physician. He loves you. And so instead of just saying, hey, I'll pray for you or something like that. Say, hey, I'm praying in Jesus' name because God's a healer. And, and just be bold about your faith. So there's going to be all kinds of, all kinds of fruit, um, salvation, people healed, but also internal strength. There's just something about uh, a strength that wells up within us and a boldness that wells up within us when we're doing what God has called us to do, working hard as a, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer. Great pictures of of uh, hard-working people. So you'll find strength, boldness for Christ. You'll, you'll find yourself steadfast in the faith. Like you won't struggle nearly as much and you won't wander off course nearly as much when you're playing by God's rules, competing by the rules, doing what God has asked us to do. And then you'll have this fearlessness. You'll have this fearlessness. I remember when first sharing the gospel, I was... Um, uh, in living in Louisiana, we would go down to New Orleans and we'd pack lunches for the homeless and we'd share the gospel with them. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. Before that, actually, we would pack lunches and go to San Louis and share the gospel with homeless people in San Louis, and it was terrifying. One day, I, they, one day they wanted me to do some open air preaching. You know what open air preaching is? Like in front of everybody at the park, you just start preaching. I was scared to death. And so, fortunately, they didn't make me do it because it would have been a train wreck, right? But we did share the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. I just wasn't about to do some open-air preaching at that season of my life. I might do it now. I'd probably do it now because the fearlessness of God is, I, I've grown in, in, in my boldness because I've just been doing it for a long time. So it's just like anything. You don't, you're not afraid to get on a bike if you've been riding a bike your whole life because you just, you know how to ride a bike. You're not bragging about it. You just know how to ride a bike. So you get on, you ride it. You're not bragging, oh, let me ride my bike. It's just natural, right? You just, you just get up there and do it. So you begin to share the gospel, and you're not bragging about your ability. You just say, I do this all the time, so of course it's going to be a little easier for me. Uh, you'll see an increased faith and faithfulness. You'll experience peace, a close walk with Jesus. All of this is the fruit that you'll experience as you, as you do these things that we're talking about. As we get ready to wrap up here, 2 Timothy 2, verse 7, says, Paul says, think about what I'm saying. 
the Lord will help you understand all these things. And so maybe in your own mind, you say, Lord, what do you want me to pull from this? What is it that you expect me to do as a result of this message? Verse 8, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news that I preach. So just to be clear, this is what Paul's saying. This is the gospel that I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be chained. Be clear about what you're preaching. I, I was at 102 at the New Worship Center this week, and a guy came in, and nice guy, <clears throat> And uh, he's like, oh, I'm so excited that your church is going to be here. I said, oh, thanks, man. Come by anytime." And he said, you know what I believe? I said, no, what do you believe? He said, I believe that the 12 apostles went out two by two, and two became Mormons, two became Jehovah's Witnesses, two became blah, blah, blah. And he just, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, this is not the gospel that we preach. <laughs> we preach that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that you can only come to faith in Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father except through him. So it's not uh, convoluted, confusing faith. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified and him resurrected from the dead and him returning in Jesus' name. This is what we preach. So let's figure out who we are in Christ and then preach that gospel truth. Otherwise, it's confusing and it doesn't lead people anywhere but to a path of destruction. And because I preach this good news, Paul says, I'm suffering. You won't suffer if you say two of the apostles were Mormons, two were Muslims, two were Jehovah's Witnesses. You won't suffer anything because nobody gives. Uh, what's the word I should use here? <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares that you're preaching that kind of gospel. It doesn't bum anybody out. It doesn't confront anybody with truth. What confronts people with the truth is the fact that Jesus died for their sins, and apart from him, they are, they are heading to this one place called hell. And in Christ, we have eternal life. That's what gets people's attention. So Paul was preaching some, you know, some confused gospel. He wouldn't be in jail. They wouldn't care. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. I love this part. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. What does God expect from your faith in Christ Jesus? Part two, number one, God expects strength. He expects you to teach others, and he expects you to endure suffering. With that, let's invite the worship team back. We're going to stand, and we're going to sing some more songs. And so um, be right down in your, in your uh, calendar. This is how I get things done. I write it on my calendar. So what I'll write in my calendar is share the gospel with somebody this week, someone who's not easy to share the gospel with. Write it down and then pray over your day and ask the Lord for, for clarity about that. So let's go ahead and stand up. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, for who, what you're speaking, and for what uh, you've called us to. Thank you that you've put expectations on our life, Lord, but with the expectation, the power to do what you've asked us to do, the ability by your grace to do those things. So help us, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Cast my mind to Calvary.
Thank you for filling our cup. God, will we take what we received this morning and be a vessel that we would pour it out to those around us who are lost and hurting and alone. We want to be good clay in the hands of a good potter. <laughs> so Lord, would you use us, make us instruments of your peace, salt and light in all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know what? We're going to have an opportunity now for you to come forward for prayer if you're if you're interested, if you have any needs this morning. But just as Steve was preaching, I was really struck with verse 7 that says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. What Steve shared with us this morning, the call of the gospel, the call to share the truth, the call to walk in righteousness and in holiness, the call as we've been over these past few weeks. And I just feel like there's some of you who really, you think about it now, you know, think about what I say, think about what was preached, think about what God spoke to you. And then we walk out the door and we get busy with life. But if you really want to think about it, if you really want uh, to, to move forward in obedience to what God has said this morning. If you want reassurance and reminder, I encourage you to come and get prayer. If you have a, a need for healing, if you have a need for God's intervention in your life, this is the time to come. We've been, I've been getting praise reports back on, on things that we've been praying for, whether it's here or in the, uh, on the prayer chain. God's working. He answers prayer. If you're hurting, if you need anything, I encourage you to come forward. Prayer teams will be up here and, and ready to pray with you. If you don't need prayer, go out, have a great day, go up to the baptisms, and then buzz down and take a look at 102. It's going to be a great day, a great day in the Lord. Hallelujah.